You know, there are a lot of stones and rocks in the Bible. There's Peter, the rock, who sank like a rock when he tried to walk on water. There's the stones, which Jesus said would break into song on Palm Sunday if the people didn't sing his praise. And there's the stone that sealed the tomb, which was rolled away so we could see inside and see that no mere grave could hold the Son of God. And there are the rocks and stones used to build the temple. And then there are the stones that Jesus encouraged the accusers of the woman in our story today to drop. You see, Jesus hated sin without hating the sinner. We, on the other hand, usually hate the sinner and enjoy gossiping about the sin. This mob who came with stones in hand, well, it kind of reminds me of the old western I once saw where a couple of guys had been arrested for cattle wrestling. When somebody mentioned giving them a fair trial, one of the men in the crowd hollered, let's give them a fair trial and then we'll hang them. <laughs> Their minds were already made up. And so were the minds of the crowd of accusers that day. Because they came armed with weapons to carry out the sentence before the verdict had ever even been reached. I think it's interesting that the word translated here in our story, without sin, can also mean without a sinful desire. You see, this woman was just a convenient opportunity for the Pharisees to try and trap Jesus, and they knew it. No wonder this self-proclaimed mob of morality mongers who didn't care a lick about the woman or her sin dropped their stones. And when they did, Jesus gave this woman a chance to start over. Really, that's all most of us want, isn't it? When we mess up our lives and relationships, we want a chance to start over. The good news is that like this woman, Jesus gives each of us a chance to start over too. And today, the symbol for that new start is the very stone in your hand. You see, these stones can symbolize a whole lot of different things. Now, first of all, that stone can be the one we threw. It can be the stone we threw when we sat in judgment of someone else. I know you've done it. And I don't want this to sound like a mark of condemnation on you alone because I've done it too. Sometimes I didn't even realize I was doing it until afterwards, but I've done it, inappropriate as it is for a minister of the gospel. I've done it. We all have. This morning, I want you to think about a time when you sat in judgment of someone else. And maybe you didn't realize it at the time, but you judged that person wrongly. Maybe you didn't really feel like judging that person, but you went along because of peer pressure. You went along with the crowd. Think about the time you sat in judgment of somebody else and how guilty you felt or still feel. I remember the time my twin brother threw a machete at me. <laughs> and no, I am not exaggerating here. It was a huge knife and it hit me right here on the chin. I still have the scar to prove it. Now, it didn't matter that he didn't intend to hit me. <laughs> we were playing a game. Admittedly, a stupid game, <laughs> but still a game. He didn't intend to hit me, but he did. And he felt so badly that he went and hid. 
You know, guilt was meant to be redeemed, don't you? Hold the stone in your hand this morning and think about the one you threw, the one you still haven't forgiven yourself for throwing, the one whose weight you still feel in your hand and in your heart. Hold on to the stone in your hand and wrap your memories in the pain of that memory around it. Secondly, that stone can be the one we caught. It could be the stone you caught when someone sat in judgment of you. That stone and others like it, well, they, they leave wounds and bruises, many of which still cause us pain. Those stones and the pain they caused have shaped a portion of our lives and sometimes even shaped our own self-image. As you hold the stone this time, I want you to think about a time when somebody sat in judgment of you, for whatever reason. Maybe you weren't from the right side of town. Maybe your skin color or accent or ethnic background was wrong. Maybe you didn't meet somebody else's expectations. Maybe it was just because of how you looked or how you dressed. Maybe it was because you were overlooked for a position or a team or or even a friendship, because you weren't good enough in the eyes of the beholder. So take the stone you're holding and flip it over in your hand. You see, judgment and being judged are two sides of the same stone. Take the stone you're still holding and flip it over in your hand. You see, judgment and being judged are two sides of the same stone. And remember what it felt like to be judged. And now hold the stone in your hand and think about the one you caught that still hurts. Hold on to the stone in your hand and wrap your memories in the pain of that memory around it. Thirdly, the stone can be the one we carry. The stone can be the one we still carry with us from unforgotten sins. Sins we think are too horrible for God to forgive. And so we never ask. Dr. Carlisle Marney, as a former professor at Duke Divinity School, was asked a question by one of his freshman students one day. The student asked, where was Eden? Dr. Marney put down his pen, turned to the college freshman, and he replied, I can tell you exactly where it is. <laughs> really, said the student, yeah, Eden is in Tennessee. What? <laughs> Yes, Knoxville, Tennessee, 215 South Elm Street. It was there on Elm Street when I was a boy, Marnie said, that I stole a quarter out of Mama's purse and ran to the store and bought a bag of peanut clusters and ate it as fast as I could. Afterward, I was so ashamed that I came back home to 215 Elm Street and hid in the closet. Mom found me and asked, why are you hiding? What have you done? I personally don't think anybody needs help locating their own Eden, do you? It's the place where we first knowingly betrayed and disobeyed God. Our Eden is that situation or that place where we first discovered that we suffer from the same disease as Adam and Eve and every other human being in existence. We suffer from the debilitating symptoms 
of sin. And so there are broken relationships, stunted dreams, continuous conflict, misery, pain, and the stifling weight of guilt, and eventually death. Hold the stone in your hand now and think about your Eden. Hold the stone in your hand and wrap that thought, that memory, that time of Eden in your life around the stone. Because those moments stick with us and they weigh us down and they drag us down and slow us down and bring us down. But here's the good news. We don't have to be weighed down by the weight of sin. God wants to lift us up. The God Jesus revealed to us is a God who patiently waits for his wayward children to come back home. And God even supplied the way to home. It's through Jesus and what he did on the cross. There's a wonderful little book called Colors that gives us a beautiful portrayal of how God takes our sin and guilt upon himself. In the book, John Aurelio, the author writes, On the sixth day, God created Father Adam and Mother Eve. On the seventh day, as God was resting, they asked him if he would give them something special to commemorate their birthday. So God reached into his treasure chest <laughs> and he pulled out a coin, a sacred coin. Written on it was the word love. Well, on the eighth day, right after God rested, Father Adam and Mother Eve sinned. And as they left the garden, they asked God for an assurance that he would not abandon them. Well, you have the coin, he told them. But the coin says love, they answered. Now, we've lost love. How ever will we find it again? Well, turn it over, God said. And on the other side of the coin was written the word forgiveness. There's great truth in that. There is no love without forgiveness. And there's no forgiveness without love. They're two sides of the same coin. And the good news is that God loves you no matter what. We call that grace. No matter what you've done or what you've thought of doing, God loves you. And that's the bottom line. God loves you. And God wants each of us to turn over the coin. Well, you've held on to your stone long enough. <laughs> I wasn't going to let you leave with all that guilt and pain wrapped around your stone. <laughs> no way. So now you need to let all that stuff go. You've wrapped the stone in all those memories and it's, well, it's probably feeling pretty heavy about right now. And some of them have become pretty hot from the grip of your hands holding on so tightly. Some of them have become slippery from the sweaty palms caused by the memory of your hurt and pain and even regret. And some of the rocks are just plain cold because that's how sin reacts. It freezes our growth in the faith. It freezes us in a place we don't really want to be. And certainly God doesn't want us to be. So what do we do? The only thing we can do is let go. This morning at church at Emmanuel, the congregation is going to come forward and drop their stones right here at the foot of the cross, at the foot of the altar. 
They're going to toss those stones wrapped in all those bad memories and pain. And they're gonna put them in with all the other stones that will then surround our cross. The cross symbolizes that Jesus took all of your sins and all the weight of guilt and the pain of regret and the wounds you have both received and inflicted on others. The cross shows that your sins have been put to death by the blood of the one who died here, Jesus himself. The cross is the way that God shows his love and forgiveness to you. It represents the hope that you have to start over, just like the woman in our story, and go and sin no more. These stones of pain and sin and regret are transformed and become symbols of hope around the cross of hope. And for a time at least, they will be with us in worship every Sunday morning, reminding us of the hope and the new life that Christ offers. Now at home, you can take your stone and you can put it in the pile. If you have a home altar, you can put it by the cross. Either way, I want you, well, I want you to pick up a candy kiss. You remember in the story of the prodigal son when the father ran and greeted the returning son, whom he thought he'd lost forever? The father greeted him with a kiss. And that's how God wants to greet you today, as he frees you from the burden of judging and being judged, and as you let go of the guilt of unforgotten sin. Accept this kiss of acceptance, love, and forgiveness from God. Literally taste and see how good and sweet forgiveness and grace truly taste. Drop those stones of pain and guilt and then taste and feel the kiss of God's forgiveness and grace.